Half a day, and welcome to another episode of Live Till Five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries here in Barragata, Guam. It's a cloudy day on this uh, Friday, August 26th, 3 04 p.m. If you're listening live, glad you could be with us, broadcasting from the worldwide headquarters of KHMG Harvest Family Radio. It's the end of another week of school. Most of the campus is empty. I see some middle school boys out there on the soccer field practicing. Cross countries out there as well for high school. Girls volleyball is in the gym. We have a few cars trickling through the campus. Maybe some of you are listening right now on 88.1 FM. Glad you're with us. We are here to serve you. We want to be a blessing to you as you go about your afternoon drive. Maybe the kids are still in the car with you and you were listening to... uh, Take note a little earlier or catching the news. Now you can catch live till five for the next two hours. We'll be here with you live on the air. If you ever miss part of the show, you can always tune in on the weekend, noon to two on Saturday, seven to nine p.m. on Sunday. Catch us on the rebound. We rebroadcast the show in its entirety uh, here on 88.1 FM. You can also pick up the archive of the broadcast. Through SoundCloud, that's uh, where we keep our podcast. Just go to khmg.org, and you'll see a place where you can click on Live Till 5. You can listen to the latest episode. You can click on the archives there. A lot of different options. Also, if you like to listen online, like on your computer, for example, maybe you don't get a good radio signal or you don't have a radio at your desk or there at your workstation, but uh, you'd like to listen over your phone or your, your tablet, your iPad, your iPhone, or your computer, go to khmg.org. You can click on the Tune In button there, and that's a great way to listen online. You register, and you can become a listener, and then anytime you go to Tune In, it's already got your settings there. And uh, very easy to do. Take you just a second to get set up with Tune In. Or you can, again, listen to the podcast, not only of Live Till 5, but of other shows that we produce here at Harvest Family Radio through the SoundCloud option there, or through our archives as well. So we're glad you're with us, and uh, this is our 180th episode, episode 180 on this Friday, August 26th. Been doing this now for over two and a half years, and glad to do it. It's been a lot of fun going to continue every Friday afternoon. Again, if you ever miss part of the show, Saturdays noon to 2, Sunday night 7 to 9 p.m. And we do that intentionally because some people just can't listen wall to wall. They don't listen to two straight hours of anything, let alone uh, our talk radio show here. So we want you to be able to pick up little bits and pieces of it. Or if you miss part of it, you can tune back in, tell your friends. You can also make direct contact with us through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. Find us on Facebook. And uh, like the Facebook page. Give us a little thumbs up there. 
and then you'll be following us and leave us a message. Let us know what you think about this show and other programs. We intend here to entertain you a little bit on a Friday afternoon, give you a a nice alternative as you're driving about. There's a lot of things you could listen to. We're hoping that this is an edifying opportunity for you, builds you up, encourages you, entertains you, makes you smile at least a little bit, gives you some information, sometimes random, sometimes very critical information, depending on the day. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. So we'll have in studio in a little while, Lawrence Nagengas with This Day in History, and uh, Sebastian Basildua, He's our new wingman. We've got to come up with a term for, for him. He's not a page boy. He's older than a page boy, so we've got to come up with a... Maybe he's the apprentice. Um, uh, we'll call him Sebastian the Apprentice. And then we have Chris Harper, all-around good guy and station manager. He'll be bringing us the news in the second hour as well. Plus, what's in my coffee, which is one of our favorite segments. Um, uh, the buck stops here, the idiom game, and uh, some stranger-than-fiction stories as well. So we have a full show today as I'm looking at our little weather station here. It looks like it's about 87 degrees outside, 52%, make that 46% humidity outside, barometric pressure 29.78, and uh, cloudy day. Could get a little more rain today, who knows, but uh, a, a mild day relative to how hot it could be. Now, in a few days, I'll be in a a place where it is just a little warmer than here. I'll be in Thailand. And so next week's show is going to be hosted by your favorite sub-host, which would be Lawrence Nagengas. He's really good. He's got a voice for radio and quick mind. And uh, those are two things that you might need to be able to host a radio show. Although I don't know if I have either one of those, and I still have the show 180 episodes later. So just never know. Anyway, for one of my favorite segments, let's get started with... The buck stops here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of successful Americans, whether they're barons of industry, philosophers, theologians, politicians, celebrities, all in their own right have some interesting phrases. Not always my motto of life, but it's interesting to get a peek into the that what's what's happening inside the mind of some of these leaders. We've talked about Teddy Roosevelt and Albert Einstein and um, uh, Thomas Edison and Ronald Reagan and and uh, all these different leaders. Today, someone you might not have heard of before, but you guaranteed have heard the phrase that he had on a little plaque on his desk. Doesn't mean that he's the one who coined the term, but he definitely tried to live by it by having this little reminder on his desk. Paul F. Heron, not like Pastor Heron, but H-A-R-R-O-N. Cable television pioneer Paul F. Heron Jr. cultivated and expanded the cable broadcasting business of his late father, Paul F. Heron Sr. Under his leadership, Heron Communications became one of the largest cable television companies in the nation. He invested in television, radio, independent films, venture capitalism during his career. He started a cable advertising firm, Metro-based cable, later sold to Comcast. Outside of communications, he owned Vesper Club in Philadelphia. It was an eating club, racehorses, sailboat named Misconduct, all kinds of things. But his motto, the little mantra he had on his desk was something familiar. No guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. Paul F. Heron. And that's The Buck Stops Here.
It's been a good month so far. Two weeks plus kind of uh, behind us in the can, you might say. We've got over two weeks in the can here at uh, Harvest Christian Academy. All the kids are happily surviving. And uh, I've got two kids away at college. They're all getting started. One has already started classes and the other starts next week. But they've both been there for a little while, doing well. One of them, my kids is going to be playing some soccer for the college he's at. Excited about that. The other is going to be a junior graphics design major at her college. So very proud of them. Then I have a son who just turned 17 this week here on Guam. Very proud of him as well. Getting started in his junior year here at Harvest Christian Academy. A tough year. Junior year is no cakewalk here at Harvest Christian Academy. But I am glad that uh, he's getting off to a good start. And uh, maybe you have students in your family. How are they doing? Are they getting off to a good start as well? Getting some good study habits established, maybe a good routine, a good schedule. Um, You know, it's very important to get off to a good start in the school year. And if you haven't so far, it's not too late. Establish some good habits starting next week and uh, get off to a good start there and get some of those disciplines going because it's definitely worth it. Gives you something to fall back on later on. But I'm sounding a little preachy. Hey, let's talk about some idioms. These are, uh, this comes from the Dictionary of Idioms by Marvin Turbin. This is provided by one of our faithful listeners, PC. She's a school teacher, and she likes idioms. She gave us this book by Scholastic here. How about uh, elbow grease? You ever hear someone say you got to put a little elbow grease into that job? Well, it means to have hard, energetic manual labor. And uh, the origin of the term comes from uh, Britain in the late 1600s. People were using the term elbow grease to jokingly refer to the sweat worked up in strong, fast-moving work with one's arms, such as rubbing, polishing, and scraping. little elbow grease. Or how about this? The 11th hour. It means at the latest possible time, just before the absolute deadline. This idiom comes from the Bible. Did you know that? The 11th hour. A lot of idioms in modern English come from the Bible. So... The idiom comes from the Bible, 11th hour is the last hour before the end of the world. In the Bible, it was the last hour of sunlight with the 12th hour bringing darkness. Some people delay so much, they sometimes finish a project at the last minute, even the last second, just before the deadline. How about this one? You ever hear someone that's maybe more of an optimist? They say, every cloud has a silver lining. Of course, it means there's something good in every bad situation, every cloud having a silver lining. Expression of hope was used by the English poet John Milton in 1634. He must have noticed that the sun is behind a dark cloud. Light shines around it, and the edges look like it has a silver lining. Milton said that even the worst situation, like a cloud, had something hopeful and more positive behind it, a silver lining. How about this one? This is not a common phrase we use so much anymore especially in a multi-ethnic culture where we have so many different kinds of names. But if you were in more of just a Victorian England type of culture, you might hear someone say, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, which means every person possible, especially very ordinary people. William Shakespeare used a phrase like this one in one of his plays around 1600, but the last of the three names he used was Francis. In the early 1800s, a lot of men were named Harry. That name replaced Francis and joined Tom and Dick, uh, also common names, to stand for anybody and everyone, including ordinary people of low social status. Tom, Dick, and Harry is a put-down, usually spoken by a person who thinks that he or she is better than other people. Hmm. 
How about this one? You ever hear someone say, they've got everything in there but the kitchen sink. Everything but the kitchen sink means practically everything that is possible, whether it's needed or not. This expression was born in the early 20th century, became popular after World War II, late 1940s. Kitchen sink is heavy, connected to the pipes, and usually bolted down so it's not easily movable. But if you took everything but the kitchen sink, you'd be taking virtually all there was. Related sayings are from soup to nuts, which is another one that I think we'll cover later on. How about this one? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, this is from the Bible as well, uh, and it's often used to sum up a, its stern code. The idiom suggests that every crime or injury should be punished or paid back with an equal exchange of hurtful actions. That's an Old Testament idiom, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Here's another eye one, eyes in the back of your head. Have you ever had someone in your life, maybe an authority, that had eyes in the back of their head, like a mom or a school teacher? Yeah, some of you moms are driving down the road right now, and you know exactly what your kids are doing, even though you're not looking at them, and they think that you have eyes in the back of your head. It's the ability to sense what's happening outside of one's field of vision. People's eyes are on the front of their faces, but there are people who seem to know what's going on behind them as if they had eyes in the back of their head. Hey, let's finish with this. Some food idioms. Lots of food idioms out there, especially in the English language here. For example, apple of your eye, bowl of cherries, butter someone up, chew the fat, cool as a cucumber, cry over spilled milk, cut the mustard, drop you like a hot potato, easy as pie, eat humble pie, egg on your face, feel your oats, food for thought, from soup to nuts, full of beans, go bananas, go fry an egg, gravy train, hard nut to crack, have your cake and eat it too, in a pickle, like two peas in a pot, not your cup of tea. Nutty as a fruitcake, pie in the sky, piece of cake, proof in the pudding is in the eating, put all your eggs into one basket, rotten apple spoils the barrel, salt of the earth, sell like hot cakes, sing for your supper, sling hash, sow your wild oats, spill the beans, take the cake, take with a grain of salt, that's the way the cookie crumbles, through the grapevine, too many cooks to spoil the broth, top banana, upper crust, upset the apple cart, walk on eggs, and worth your salt, which I believe is also a biblical idiom. Those are some fun idioms. You know, it's always fun to play around with the English language. We we are blessed to have such a cool language. Let's take a short break. When we come back, more Live Till 5 with some Stranger Than Fiction, This Day in History, What's in My Coffee, and a bunch of other good stuff. Stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. back with a little more live till five coming down to our stranger than fiction section of the show you know i come across different articles and stories that sometimes they make you scratch your head sometimes they make you laugh sometimes they make you cry sometimes they make you angry but i call them stranger than fiction because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction some media sources make it very easy for this section of the show because they put them all together in one place. And sometimes I get them all from one source. Sometimes I collect them throughout the week. You know, I wish I could play some of the video ones I saw. I saw 
uh, one today that was just, it cracked me up. And it was, uh, it was kind of a parody. They had taken an interview with a political candidate, and, and all they did was a simple little, I guess it's, it's not Photoshop because it was a video, but they basically made the politician's eyes cross on the video while the person was talking. And it was so funny. But there's no way to really communicate that over the radio airwaves. And so you just have to take my word for it that I was laughing this morning before I had my first cup of coffee as I clicked on that. So anyway, here's some Stranger Than Fiction stories. And I had seen this in a couple different places. Um, but this was listed in the Quick Takes section of Dispatches in the World Magazine. I just got the most recent one uh, yesterday, September 3rd issue. And this is about the statue of the actress, late actress, Lucille Ball. The old statue is called the Scary Lucy. And uh, in a New York town, they finally replaced it. Ever since it was installed in Ball's hometown of Celeron, New York, residents have complained the life-size bronze statue was ugly. Last year, Buffalo News columnist Colin Dablowski wrote that its deranged grimace and jagged teeth inspired more dread than reverence. On August 6th, though, that would have been Ball's 105th birthday. Celeron Mayor Scott uh, Scredgengost unveiled a more lifelike statue at night. At, at, oh, I'm sorry, not at night. At right, sorry, wrong angle here. Fans can still see Scary Lucy at another location nearby. So the new, now I grew up watching the I Love Lucy show, and uh, the new statue looks just like her, but bronze. The old statue um, is is more like what I would imagine old Mother Hubbard to look like. Just saying. Uh, how about this? few uh, not-so-intelligent criminal stories here. The burglary went smoothly enough, but the fencing was a disaster. You know, fencing where you try and sell stolen goods. Clarksville, Tennessee, police say the male and female burglary duo broke into a nearby home and stole items earlier this year. Police said that Jeremy Watts and Jessica Hetty took the plundered items into a pawn shop on August 2nd, but didn't realize that the pawn shop owner was the same man whose home they had allegedly burglarized. Police said the owner recognized the goods immediately and telephoned the authorities. The two suspects were arrested and booked into the Montgomery County Jail. And now their mugshots are in a magazine. And we're talking about them in Guam. Here's another uh, interesting story from World Magazine. A drunken Toronto man unwittingly turned himself into Canadian authorities on August 6th, perhaps because he couldn't find a convenient taxi. An officer with a local constabulary said that the unnamed man drunkenly got into the police cruiser after mistaking it, somehow, for a taxi cab. While checking the intoxicated man's identification, the officer discovered he had an outstanding warrant and promptly arrested him. Wow. Or this one. A group of five North Carolina burglars pressed their luck on August 5th by trying to break into the same house twice in one evening. According to the Charlotte Mecklenburg, uh, Mecklenburg North Carolina Police, a homeowner arrived at his house, townhouse only to discover a group of men attempting to break in. The owner left the scene undetected and phoned the police, who arrived to find the dwelling empty. But as police investigated the scene, three of the original five burglars again tried to break into the home. According to police, the burglars quickly discovered the home was no longer empty and tried to flee, but were swiftly apprehended. The long arm of the law. Here's another one. This is not necessarily a... Uh, a 
criminal thing. It's just kind of interesting that nobody would blame motorists in Boulder, Colorado, for looking twice while traveling the Table Mesa Drive on August 4th. City workers reported that a man pulled over and tied a helium sympathy balloon to a dead raccoon in the roadway, took a picture with his phone, and then drove away, leaving morning rush hour motorists bewildered. The Boulder Daily Camera reported the sympathy balloon read, Get well soon. Internet culture site BuzzFeed has documented the rise of roadkill sympathy balloons as an internet meme. And I have seen more than one picture like this. Dead raccoon with a balloon tied to its leg. How about this? Uh, Xavier University with two college students. I think this is a, a cool Stranger Than Fiction story. Xavier University has proudly installed a new automated pizza dispenser. The Cincinnati, Ohio school reported the Pizza ATM will be ready for students attending its campus this fall and will contain a stockpile of 70 pizzas sold for $10 per pie. According to the uh, to Pauline, okay, uh, the French company that built the machine, it's the first of its kind in the United States. Pizza ATM. Hmm. Finally, Carlisle United Kingdom man ran into an unusual problem while trying to sell his apartment. As soon as Chris Meyer tried to list the apartment for sale, he learned he didn't actually own it, even though he had been living in it for the past six years. Instead, he owned his neighbor's apartment, at least on paper. Basically, he said, I live in number eight and thought I had bought number eight, Meyer told the Carlisle News and Star. But land registry documents show that I actually own number nine. It gets worse, according to the article. After learning Meyer's problem, other residents in the building checked government records only to discover that a total of 10 residents do not own the apartments they presently live in. Oh, boy. That's a problem. They probably, uh, someone is going to lose their job over that, I would imagine. That would be my guess. Can you imagine? We actually have had a problem like that with uh, some paperwork even here on Guam. Just a little little one number or letter off on your lot number on a map. And it can throw uh, monkey wrenches into all of your plans when it comes to building and financing properties and insuring properties, things like that. And it's, it's quite a bit of work to get that all corrected. So really a challenge. Well, you know what? Today's topic, which we're going to talk about in a little while, is something that, uh, you know, everyone's a little familiar with. I mean, everyone knows a little bit about today's topic. And, um, you know, we try and come up with things that are interesting, and relevant. Sometimes we find funny things or, you know, during the Olympics, we talk about the Olympics. And during start of school, we start, we talk about back to school and vacation times during vacation times and Christmassy stuff during Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but today is kind of an in-between day. Um, it's a little too early to talk about Labor Day. And we already talked about the start of school. We already talked about vacations and weddings. And we've, we've had a lot of discussion about the Olympics. So you know what? Today, we're going to have a groundbreaking show. Uh, this groundbreaking show has possibly never been done. This topic's never been covered by a talk radio program ever in the history of, of all radio. And um, I wouldn't be shocked if I got an Edward R. Murrow's award uh, for this episode. But uh, let me let me kind of break the ice for those of you listening. Let, let, let me see if you listeners understand the meaning of this sentence. 
Let's say you went to your grandmother's house. And your grandmother says to you, grab the Afghan off the divan next to the hassock beside the big ottoman by the Davenport. Can you imagine grandma saying that? Let me say it again. Some of you, you know exactly what that means. Some of you think I'm speaking a different language. Grandma said at her house, grab the Afghan off the divan next to the hassock beside the big ottoman by the Davenport. Now, some of you are, are picturing um, um, uh, men of Middle Eastern descent being grabbed and thrown around the room, but that is not what this is talking about at all. Matter of fact, today's topic is the secret and often overlooked world of furniture. The secret and often overlooked world of furniture. And that's going to be our topic, furniture and furnishings. But you know what? First, I think we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we will um, be not only talking about furniture and furnishings but we also have this day in history we have what's in my coffee i heard we might even have a little bit of poetry today so you stick around we'll have a little more live till five after this short break And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 180, 180, half of 360. Yep, it's August 26th, 2016, 3.34 p.m. in the afternoon, if you're listening live. We do this every Friday afternoon, 3 to 5 p.m. We rebroadcast noon to 2 on Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. We do that so you can catch a little bit of the show, no matter where you're at, what you're doing, if you're near a radio, you can always catch us online. You can use the TuneIn app or other radio apps. We have a link to the TuneIn app at khmg.org. You can just click on that. You can listen to our radio anytime you're near a computer or Wi-Fi. You can download the app to your phone, your tablet, uh, your Chromebook, etc. You don't even need an app on the Chromebook. You just click on the link. But uh, khmg.org, there's a lot of good stuff on there. You can find the archives of previous shows, not only Live Till 5, but other things we produce. Things that maybe are a little more meaty than uh, this show. This show is a little lightweight. We do that on purpose. It's a nice alternative on your Friday afternoon. You can kind of just relax and sit back and enjoy the banter and scream at the radio if you like, whatever. But uh, I know some of you, when I when I read that sentence... Grandma tells you to grab the Afghan off the divan next to the hassock beside the big ottoman by the Davenport. And uh, you're like, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, just hang in there. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the secret and often overlooked world of furniture a little later in the show. But I uh, wanted to just ask you, do you know there's an election coming up? Now, we're not going to talk about politics. We try and refrain from talking too much about politics because... First off, we, we just don't want to go there right now. And secondly, the principles behind 
no matter who's running for office. So we, we don't mind talking about that. But the politicians themselves, we kind of steer clear a little bit of that because we don't want to be there's plenty of that on the radio. There's plenty of talk about politics on the radio. So, you know, we don't want to become white noise. But I did find some interesting numbers. Some of these have to do with politics. Some of them just have to do with, you know, current events and news. But uh, this is from also from this uh, this edition of World Magazine from September 3rd here. By the numbers, they have this cool little section. It's usually a little infographic. It just has different numbers that relate to things that are happening in the media. And as we're looking at the upcoming political elections and things, some of these are relevant to that. Some just have to do with other stuff going on. But very interesting random facts, and I love interesting random stuff. So $575,000. That's the price tag of self-avowed socialist and former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders' new vacation home on Lake Champlain in Vermont. It is a beautiful area up there, by the way, and he is a senator from Vermont, so makes sense. And although that sounds like a lot of money in Vermont, actually, I think that's probably median price. But $674 is the amount of money spent on back-to-back shopping by the average American family, according to national retail—oh, sorry, not back-to-back, back-to-school shopping by the average American family, according to the National Retail Federation— you think about that, you and your family with uh, school uniforms or school outfits and school supplies and electronics. We talked a little bit about the electronics last week, things that people buy. I think our family spends way more than that with two kids in college. Fifteen. That's the number of detainees newly released from Guantanamo Bay detention facility, uh, reducing the prisoner population to just 61. The release announced August 15th was the largest under Barack Obama's presidency. Fifteen people released. Uh, If you've ever known anyone that's been stationed at uh, Guantanamo Bay, it's it's not a terrible assignment. I've heard it's it's actually pretty nice. Um, One of my friends that was stationed down there, he became like master scuba diver and amateur photographer and other things because there's not a lot to do there. But 15 prisoners, detainees, released from Guantanamo. How about this number? 4,954. That's the phone bill racked up by the Japanese gymnast Kohei uh, Uchimura while playing Pokemon Go in Rio. Whoa. $4,954 is the phone bill racked up by Japanese gymnast Kohei Uchimura while playing Pokemon Go in Rio. So I don't know if he had to, like, use his own phone and he just kept it on roaming or something instead of getting a local SIM card. How about this? 307,247,252. That's the estimated number of recreational visits to the U.S. national parks in 2015. 307,247,252. Yeah. I believe this is the 100-year anniversary of the national parks in the United States of America. And so we'll see a uh, a lot more coverage of the national park system as we go through the year, if you pay attention to the media at all, the national parks are in the news a lot. I saw an article. You know how you can go on different sites and you can rate your experience at different places. Like I think there's an app called Yelp. And if you go to a restaurant, you can go on the app Yelp and you can kind of give it like one, two, three, four, five stars and you can leave a comment. Well, Yelp and other uh, apps like that allow people to rate almost the way a food critic would rate a restaurant or a travel uh, blogger would rate a hotel or a resort. This is a way to rate places that you visit, restaurants and parks and things. And I, I read a whole list of 
people, uh, people's low rating Yelps, okay, from the app Yelp, where they just gave one star to different national parks and national monuments. And it's pretty hilarious. A lot of it is directly related to the ignorance of the person visiting the park. Like one uh, had went to Death Valley, Death Valley National Park. Well, it's the hottest place, I think, on the planet or in America, lowest elevation. It's a desert desert. I mean, it's terrible. It's super hot. But it is a, a really interesting place to go to. And you know what you're getting into when you drive in. And it's called Death Valley. But the person gave it a Yelp rating of one star and complained about how hot it was and how there wasn't anything green at all. And then there was other. Um, there was another one where someone gave a low uh, rating to Yellowstone National Park or Yosemite, one of the two. Maybe it was Yosemite because they didn't see any bears while they were there. They went there to see bears, and they didn't see any bears. And so they were rating the park with just a one star. And so uh, sometimes the ignorance... Matter of fact, uh, Chris Harper, when he lived in Alaska, uh, he had to um, endure sometimes the people coming from the contiguous United States uh, coming up to his beautiful Alaska and and as tourists um, either behaving ignorantly or speaking ignorantly of Alaska. You have a term for those people, Chris. What is that called? Chichacos. Chichaco. I keep calling it like Chinchaco or it's just Chichacos. Chichaco. That's what they call them. And and what would be a stereotypical Chichaco? Like that's how you can you can tell right away that's a Chichaco. Usually, um, if they are not understanding the size and scope and um, extreme nature of the state, like right off the bat, like they think of it as. They think of it as similar to where they're from. I'm from Colorado. We have mountains there. I'm from Wisconsin. It's cold there. I'm from Minnesota, and it gets, you know, I'm from northern Minnesota, and it's, you know, so people tend to think that it doesn't get any more extreme than wherever they're from. Right, right. And that tends to not be the case. It tends to be more extreme. It has to be. Add something on top of. It has to be. It's geographically so far north. It's so much bigger too. It's the it's the largest state, uh, landmass wise, right? Two and a half times the size of Texas. Yes, and uh, more coastline than I think almost all the rest of the United States combined, right? Yeah, and to give to give you an idea, um, from Minnesota, people say, "Well, it's the land of ten thousand lakes." Well, Alaska has. Over three million lakes, one acre in size or larger. Wow! So it that's not including all the little ponds no. and all the little you know has uh, to be one runoff. acre. Yeah, wow! Has to be one acre in size. So that that makes the land of ten thousand lakes look a little silly, right? right. And uh, so it's not quite like uh, you're wherever you're from back home, but it's it's very typical, and you can you can tell. Usually, there's a lot of like, well, I know all about this. I, I used to. I used to go camping where I'm from, and people don't really, you know, how you get that right. sense that like they don't respect it. They don't respect, and and, there and that's are other dangerous, people. right? It is dangerous, and and other people who come are very respectful, and they understand the extreme nature of things. But I think your prototypical Chichaco would be, um, he, he went by the name of Alexander Supertramp. What was his name, Sebastian? Alexander uh, Supertramp. 
Yeah. Was that really uh, his name? Chris McCandless. Yes. Okay. Chris McCandless. No relation to new staff member Gina McCandless. No, no, and and no, and and I'm not going to say anything bad about this guy except that he was a Chichaco, but he actually wound up dying in a bus. Yikes. Um, near Denali Park on the Stampede Trail. And no, it, it the was, great one. What's that? Oh, it is Denali Park, right? It Denali. used to be McKinley, Mount McKinley. Mount McKinley. Denali Park. Now it's Denali, the Denali great National one, Park. mountain also. Right, right. Yeah. And they, they always called uh, Mount McKinley Denali. Yeah, In Alaska, sure, people sure. call it Denali. But uh, anyway, basically what he, he decided to do is live off the land, and he found a bus out in the wilderness and and camped in there and tried to hunt for the winter, but he wound up dying. So it's not a funny situation or right. something to be... Uh, made fun of, except for the fact that people sort of use him or people like him as a uh, sort of a symbol of what a chichaco is is Got all it. about. Yeah, seems like we've talked about this a few well, times. Well, you know, it's program. because You're I was talking about national national parks. You know, right. and and I was uh, I was I was just humored and insulted at the same time by people's Yelp ratings of national parks. Oh yeah, and uh, and so since. Uh, I would imagine Alaska probably has more national park land than most other places. Denali as well. Park is nine million acres. Wow! Wow! The, ma- the n- amount of natural resources in Alaska alone. Seward got us a good deal on that one. It was yeah. It was not folly at all. Seward's Absolutely. folly. Yeah. Speaking of others that are not follies, but a good deal. Uh, Sebastian Basildua. Who will now forever be known as Sebastian the Apprentice, okay? What? So you're, we had a page boy. We have wingmen. But you're the apprentice because you are the new guy. Yes. And uh, so the apprentice. And then, of course, uh, Professor Lawrence Nagengas, uh, Commander-in-Chief of Harvest Christian Academy's high school. And, uh, you know, what kind of Yelp rating do you think uh, our principal's office would get um, from students? So far, not a very not very many have come there, so it may be one of those just not enough ratings. Yeah, to yeah, there have you a go. Rating yeah, scale. It's like we, I had one in there today. He wasn't in trouble at all. We were just talking college. Uh, one of the seniors. Good. So yeah. great. Yeah, it's a good thing. That's what you do. That's part of your job. It is. Help and I enjoy out. that part. I enjoy right. the uh, exciting, looking to the future, making plans. That's always yeah. a lot more fun than what happened. Yeah, yeah, sure. Usually, <laughs> when you're looking in the past, it's it's. For negative reasons, or or for actually positive, helping reasons, right. but um, but yeah, so yeah. Well, hey, it's uh, August twenty sixth. You know what I'd like to do? I think what we need to do is we're going to take a short break because our drinks just got delivered from mm-hmm. uh, the hub, and uh, so what we'll do is we're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this day in history and play what's in my coffee. So, listeners, stick around. More live till five after this short break. With a little more live till five. It's three forty-nine PM on Friday, August twenty-sixth. Glad you're with us. I'm Jared Baldwin, the host of Live Till Five. Joined in studio by Lawrence Nagengas, Sebastian Basildua, and Christopher 
Q.H. Harper the Third, and uh, <laughs> we are we are all enjoying our tasty drinks from the hub, and we're all going to be sipping on these drinks while uh, Lawrence Nagas gives us this day in history. But I can tell you that uh, Chris and I both have hot drinks. Uh, Sebastian has an ice drink, and Lawrence has a blended drink, and then we'll describe them here in a few minutes. But it is August 26th. I'd like to hear what happened this day in history, Lawrence. Okay. Well, let me take one more sip. One more sip. That's okay. That's part of the experience. We want people at home to imagine as if they were sipping also. Yeah. It is and definitely it, oh, sip Oh, that's worthy. great. Yeah. And you, ha- you have Just, a little whipped cream on your... Uh, I'm leaving you know. it there for the photo op yep, we're about great. to have right now. That's great. That's, uh, that goes Actually, with... Actually, I probably shouldn't. There's a videographer <laughs> in the studio now. Yes. Joe Sarney's getting here. Getting B-roll. It just got for B-roll footage. There you go. It just got serious here. For so. future promotional endeavors. Better shape up. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Can you slenderize we? me with uh, your Photoshop magic? Yeah. Okay, all right. Thank you. Adobe. Right. Adobe's worth it. Because the people at home, they some of them don't know what I look like. So if they see my image on the website, I'd like them to see me the way I hope I feel they like think I of appear. me. Exactly. <laughs> Not the way I really am. Yeah, exactly. 1346, Battle of Crissay. Not sure how you pronounce that You're exactly. You're the expert. South of Calais in northern France, Edward III's English longbow. South of Calais. 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 Yeah. Calais. Cool. Or Calais, ah, whatever you want. I like S's in France because it never happens, so I'm adding it today. Calais. Calais. You'll never hear an S in France. Like Yo play. Yeah. Well, that has a T. But anyway. Yeah. Calais. <laughs> English, lo- yeah, Calais, whatever. Calais. English longbows defeat Philip VI army. Cannons are used for the first time in battle. Uh, that'll definitely change the... In Europe. Uh, I think wow. the Chinese had been in using it for years. In Europe, they had. And the Turks wow. probably had their hand muskets uh, or hand cannons that they had. But that's still pretty early. That's what we should call guns, hand cannons. That's right. Yeah, I actually prefer that. I, I do. rockets. It sounds... Yeah. <laughs> we had those. We I had need those. to retrieve my hand cannon. My hand cannon. <laughs> 19, uh, 1498, Michelangelo is commissioned to carve the Pieta. Uh, we take a little bit of time and look at the Pieta in 10th grade world history. And it's one of those things you look at great work uh, by Michelangelo. However, when you look at the size of Jesus in the lap of Mary, her knees come out past his body, which if you look at the width of a man and then, a, you know, for her legs to come that far past and then down, she'd be a good eight, nine footer. Wow, if she wow. were to stand up. So it is accurate in some ways, but then there's other things you look at it and you're like, to scale, I don't know he about that. must have just done it for – it, it was Michelangelo? Yes, it yeah. was. Well, you know, what so, does he well, know? It, it, is, yeah. it is a masterpiece, but there is some, some ratio Room aspects. Room for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, Michelangelo. Yeah, listen to us. Um, moving on. I liked his work with the turtles. Uh, yes, the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah, him and Da Vinci as buddies. <laughs> Raphael. 1907, Harry Houdini escapes from chains underwater at Aquatic Park in 57 seconds. 57 seconds, he gets out of chains while underwater, uh, much to the crowd's joy and happiness and excitement because he didn't die in front of them. Uh, 1927, I do believe. The first, uh, I'm sorry, 29, first U.S. roller coaster built. Um, I do enjoy, in fact, I love roller coasters. 
Uh, we had the, the privilege of going to Fuji Q, which is in Tokyo or outside of Tokyo back in April. And they have some pretty, um, pretty interesting roller coasters there, about five of them. And then this summer, I went to both uh, Universal and Disney World, and they have a bunch of, of roller coasters as well. Uh, more rides. What's the Disney best roller World. coaster you've ever ridden? Ever? Oh my! Oh man! I would I would probably go with. You'd almost have to categorize them. The dragster zero to one thirty, in about a half second or about a second and a half is pretty awesome. I mean, you you've never felt so fast in all your mm-hmm. life. But the Millennium Force, for being how high and smooth it is. They're both at Cedar Point. That, yeah. that Sebastian, you've is... been there. You're shaking your head. You uh, like those? I've seen a couple. Uh, my favorite is probably the uh, the one with the swing. You know, you get on it and it like just twirls you around. Oh, okay. Very, but like, so as far as rides, you like like the pendulum type swing. But roller coaster, like, if do you have a preference on any specific roller yeah, coaster? Yeah, uh, Road Runner in Fiesta Roadrunner. Texas. Nice. Ooh, oh, I like oh, Fiesta yeah. Texas. Yeah. Is that the one that goes up above the? Uh, the the rock line and then drops down in yes that was called the rattler when i lived there really yeah when fiesta texas before was bought by six flags that was originally called the rattler and it was the largest wooden roller coaster in america at that time it was so fast it would like make you have to go to the chiropractor afterwards but yeah yeah fiesta texas is a great great amusement park so all right keep going 1964 lbj nominated at democratic convention in atlantic city new jersey Mind you, he'd already served as president for a good couple years by this point, but he had only officially stepped in as vice president to president at JFK. This time he's actually uh, nominated to be um, the the Democratic nominee mm-hmm. uh, that year. Um, moving down a little bit more, we have um, a couple things left. Do we? 1985, Baltimore Oriole, Eddie Murray. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murray <laughs> knocks in nine RBIs in a game versus California Angels. Wow. Baseball's uh, getting to the um, the boiling point of the season here. Uh, we have about a month left of, of regular season baseball, and then we're looking at the playoffs. And, again, the wild card race, which is really a one-game playoff. It's quite amazing uh, that your entire season can come down to one game like it does. But – it's okay. It's it's yeah. what makes the game Royals exciting. Are, Royals are only about a game or two away from making making the playoffs. Royals are okay. For Tigers the wild are card. in there. Yeah, yeah. right. That's kind of where the Tigers there. In fact, there's a bunch of teams that are just sitting right around that wild card slot. And if Cleveland uh, doesn't start getting their act together against Texas, I'll be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, the sinking of the Rainbow Warrior. Interesting. 1985. French government denies knowledge of attack on Rainbow Warrior. Rainbow Warrior is a ship. That was sunk in Auckland Harbor. Yeah, back in 1985. Mm. Kind of sounds like a cartoon character. Yeah, it does. A, the Rainbow a, Warrior. Yeah, ice cream what, truck. It's what you know, Hawaii like, exactly. was driving on ice on the pond, and it went through, and yeah. the Rainbow it's Warrior like went a down. Drink. Yeah, it's but ha- that's yeah. what Hawaii's um, Hawaii's mascot was. Weren't used they? to be for a uh, long used time. To be. Used to the be, Rainbow yeah. Warrior. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. the rainbows. Now really? they're the warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hawaii was rainbows for a long time, up until probably about 12 years ago. Yeah. But there were connotations. A lot yeah. of jokes, and of so they, they yeah. wanted to go to something a little more... Yeah. A little more robust. Yeah. Yeah. Than a rainbow, even though they are beautiful. Yeah, rainbows who can, are beautiful. Who can blame them? They just have a hard time, you know, like with the offensive line being rainbows. <laughs> uh, 2012, 15-year-old New Zealand golfer Lydia Ko 
becomes the youngest LPGA Tour event winner and the first amateur winner since 1969. You do not see very many amateur winners in the men's win. It has happened. But uh, here, even just four years ago, we had a winner, um, an amateur lady win um, for the first time in 40-some years. Hmm. Um, and, and lastly, I found this interesting. 2013, 25,000 applicants to the University of Liberia fail their university entrance examination. I That's remember a lot of us touching on that in this show. Really? Uh, yeah, two years ago. Yeah, it, they... they um, they just couldn't get it. They couldn't pass the test, basically, right? Um, which I can't remember if it was previous to that. There had been cheating or something like that, but basically, the it just showed um, maybe how there had been a scandal before with cheating. So now they had to like redo the test. Oh, I do remember. And a lot of people ended up this. failing it. I do because they didn't have any uh, checks and balances in place, so they changed the test and everyone failed. Yeah. I remember now that we, yeah. that we brought this up. Yeah. 2015, a year ago, WDBJ-TV reporter Allison Parker and cameraman oh, Adam right. Ward yep. are fatally shot live on TV by an ex-colleague in oh, yeah. Moneta. Is it Moneta? Moneta, Ger- Moneta Virginia. Virginia, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was just a year ago. I remember that. Uh, yeah. Wow. I was driving from uh, WVCY to Maranatha to meet up with to you, To meet Chris. up with me, yep. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, that was a... That was a while back. Or maybe I was recruiting at Maranatha. Was maybe it was a year, year after. Ago, no, though. so it was the year after. I was driving to Maranatha, but that was a year after I met up with you. So. Yeah, because I was here then. You were here yeah. already, yeah. yeah. So, But I was on the road at that time. So, hey, let's take a short break for the news. We'll come back, play What's in My Coffee, and I think uh, our listeners will enjoy hearing what we're sipping on. So, listeners, you're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for the SRN News. And we're back with the second hour of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It's 4.03 p.m. on Friday, August 26th, here at KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters. We say that like that's a big deal. I mean, I guess we don't say it. I'm the only one that says it. Yeah. <laughs> we, What's meaning this me. We? Yeah, <laughs> what, what do you mean we, Tonto? Uh, yes, uh, we. I'm thinking Lone Ranger. He always was like, hey, we should do this. And Tom was like, what do you mean we, white man? You know, and then he gets Kimosabi, shot. Kimosabi, right? that's right. Uh, so anyway, we are broadcasting high atop the campus from the worldwide headquarters. But we are kind of a singular location. So, But it could expand. We do broadcast into China and India and all kinds of places with our partnership with Transworld Radio, with our Heart of Harvest Asia program. And uh, we also broadcast all around the world via the Internet. You can listen to us on khmg.org. There's a couple different tabs there. It's very intuitive. I don't need to give you a lot of technical instructions. Just go to khmg.org, and uh, you will find your way around. You can listen to archive broadcasts, podcasts. You can listen to other programs that we produce locally, or you can just listen live 
through the internet. So it's great to have you with us. Lawrence hung around. Sebastian's still here. Chris is here. And we're all sipping on our drinks from the hub. And uh, they are super tasty. And uh, we are going to now uh, attempt to describe for you, the listener, the, the experience that we're having. Uh, and this uh, segment, of course, is um, brought to us by The Hub, Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music, books, gifts, and including the largest selection of Yankee candles in all the Ottoman Empire. I like it a lot. I go there every day. Not the Ottoman Empire, but The Hub. Now let's play. Wait, you found the my music. Coffee. Isn't that crazy? Chris found it. You know what it's called? Hebrews theme. Hebrews theme. <laughs> I didn't think to look for that. I didn't even think to look for that. We've been missing the song for a couple of weeks. We have we probably lost listeners because we changed the song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there were people you... throwing stuff at the radio. Yeah. But you know, we'd never know because they don't close contact the, us. You close the um, section with the the Lord of the Rings. Right. You know, we're in Hobbitville. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you oh, can't we think use? to use right. that yeah. again. And little, no. lo and behold, I'm you back You know me well. Again. I'll never use the same song twice in one episode, even no, if it's a won't. good one. So you won't. And, and, you know, I do like having variety in the bumper music. I think, really, one of these days, I'm just going to do a show that's all bumper music. It's going to be kind of a new, a new format where there's no talking. There's no interaction. You just, just get people bumper psyched music, out. <laughs> bumper music in, bumper music out. Commercial. Hey, listen, bumper music here comes in, the show. Bumper music out, infomercial. Oh, There's a few problems with that. Number one, we don't air commercials. Oh, yeah, Number true. two. <laughs> Ginsu um, knives. I don't want to. <laughs> Number two, that's just a music That's just a music segment. Oh, that's true. I think that's been done before. Yeah. I think it's called general radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone else. Okay. All right. We innova- will, we, I'm missing the innovation. We yeah. will keep our uniqueness. Uh, okay. okay. Sometimes, we'll you know, we'd be too creative for your own good. I'm drinking a hot drink here, and it's tasty. It's kind of creamy. It has a, a, a vanilla flavor. It does not taste like it has any coffee or espresso in it. I'm thinking it might be a sugar-free Vanilla latte. The only reason I think it might be sugar-free is because they did put my initials on the cup. It says number one, JB, which I could interpret as they think I'm number one. But there seems to be a tea bag. There's a tea bag. I didn't even see that. Oh, now I know exactly what it is. It's a sugar-free London fog then. So instead of a vanilla oh, latte, okay. it's a tea, kind of a vanilla latte, but with tea in it. So no coffee or espresso. Yes. Yes. Thank you for spotting that. Man, I didn't even see it. They tucked it in so tastefully in the back. I'm a, I'm a regular Sherlock Holmes there. Wow. Yeah. Number one, <laughs> he JB. He saw the dust on the you cover. Know, this yeah. must mean they think I'm the best. Number one, JB. Number one. I might keep this sleeve and just carry it around with me for a while and cheer myself your, up. Put it in your pocket. Every time I get, you know, verbally, I've, you know, you know, I've thought or, of saving the. I've thought of saving these covers because, frankly, they're not, it's not like they're dirty or anything. I know. You just take it. The, the, the drink holder, too. I throw that thing away. It's Yeah. Oh well. Seamless anyway, it's all, it starts Seamless. out recycled, so I guess we don't have to feel bad. Mm-hmm. It already was. Something well, else. I didn't. I I wouldn't go to the as far as that. I felt bad, no. but I. But you know, <laughs> well, some I, people live with perpetual guilt about this stuff. You know, but this used to be a Yugo, and now it's a, a yeah. drink sleeve. A and very you know, very safe to assume that was yeah. a Yugo. <laughs> Yugo, or it could have been. Uh, you know, this could be. You know, from animal byproducts. You just never know. It could have so, very well so been. Glad it's, it's around. This my was trying an elephant's ear originally. Mm-hmm. And now we're using it as a drink holder. Anyway, sure I think it's a sugar-free London fog. Chris, you have a hot drink as well. What does it taste like? Well, um, I think that this is a a white mocha because it tastes like my regular. I, I often get a 
regular hot mocha. In fact, I don't even have to say it to the, the ladies down there. I just show up and they go, you want your mocha? And then I go, oh, okay. That makes me kind of feel a little when bit they bad. they say it that way. Well, that, and part yeah. of the backstory is you, no, you really, you really weren't meanly. a coffee shop. You weren't no. one that frequented coffee shops before you now no, no. live above one. Right. I mean, your office is two one. stories above one. <laughs> you know, it's you, you work close, above though. one. They'll yes, work I work above one. one. But um, the thing about the mochas of any sort, whether it's the white mocha or the regular standard chocolate mocha, is that it can either taste like coffee with a bit of chocolate or chocolate with a bit of coffee. Mm-hmm. I prefer the former. Mm-hmm. I prefer it to taste like coffee with a bit of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this has that it's impact. It's a good blend. It's, it's got the... It tastes like coffee with the white mocha flavor mm-hmm. in it. And so it's about right. It's, okay. It's just right. about perfect. All right. Now, uh, Sebastian, yours is almost gone. Uh, Ice drink. Yes. Looks tea-like to me, but I'm not sure. Sometimes the caramel coloring is uh, deceiving. What does it taste like? Okay. This is without a doubt peach tea. Really? With a capital T. A taste it's- of sweet, heavenly nectar from the prunus Persisha, causing a refreshing. The, 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 go back to the the prunus. Oh, what? prunus persisha. Okay, or maybe it's persica. I don't, I don't think know. we can say that. The FCC. Okay, all right. <laughs> causing a refreshing. I don't even know what you're talking about. Causing a refreshing explosion on the taste buds. Quite simply, it's peachy. Okay. I hope it is peach tea after that explanation. He had to write I, all that down. I really see that? Wow. He's yeah. got it typed wow. into his phone. Like hey, it's don't, a, man, sh- don't finally. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Websters.com. Okay. No, no. All right. I want to, I need to see the spelling on that perni- pernicious yeah. uh, word. It probably is from Capri. I wrote yeah. that. I didn't yeah. copy and paste it. Okay. Oh, that's great. Okay. So it's peach tea. What you're saying is this iced peach tea. Yes. I is it so. sweet or unsweetened? No, it's, uh, it's got a little sweetness. So maybe know, they put a little. Perfect. Okay. Great. All right. Lawrence. Um, your, your drink is the color of a shamrock shake. It is. It is. It would lead you to believe that until you taste it. Um, I, I started off with about three full, um, gulps. Okay. Gulps yes. is the word I was looking yes. for. Of, of straight whipped cream. Yes. So once I battled my way through that, uh, I got to a pistachio smoothie, basically, Ooh. is what it kind of tastes like. Mm. It comes real creamy at first, but then there's like sort of an aftertaste of pistachio. So it's not real mm-hmm. strong. Mm-hmm. If you like that flavor, you may want them to add an extra shot or two. But this is pretty good, um, just sort of like very soothing, um, cool drink in the afternoon. Yeah, okay. All right, pistachio. And and since I said that, we, you know, basically have more Yankee candles than all the Ottoman Empire. Pistachios we do come from the Ottoman Empire. They do. I mean, that region, at least. That's new. There is no more Ottoman Empire. That's true. That's do you know anyone... Turkey. Do you know anyone who calls them pistachios? Pistachios? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've heard that on a, a, a few occasions. Only like a few a pistachios. And I think that that same, the person who pronounces that that way also says washing machine. Oh. I was about to bring oh, that up. Yeah. You're talking say, about my dad, my brother, my sister, my mom, and my grandparents. Yeah. And How'd all you my I, I, you know, we lived on one side of the river where you're not supposed to talk like that, but you know. Okay, well, let's see what they actually are. Number one, I have a sugar-free London fog. Ding, ding, ding. Number two, <clears throat> pistachio frap. Number three, chocolate eclair. Wow. Mm. So it's it's the same basic it's components. The same. You know, if you were to break it down to the, the molecular same. construct, it's about the same. Oh man. And then. 
finally, uh, Sebastian has the iced tea with peach. Good for Ooh. you. Oh, wow. I'm wow. so good. And uh, <laughs> plus, he, plus he also uh, won a short story contest with his description. <laughs> short story. And he just got a scholarship, you know. Uh, to uh, Northwest University off of that. So that's great. Well, hey, this is this is a tasty little treat. I'm glad to uh, be able to do this. Let's take a short break and let Lawrence get out of here. Lawrence, what are you doing this weekend? Um, tonight, I think I'm going out with a, with a friend for their birthday. And then tomorrow we have men's league basketball game. That's kicked up since last weekend. Oh, boy. Um, so there's about, I believe, 12 different churches with teams. Wow. Um, so a lot of different games. With that, and then um, uh, probably probably just do some more relaxing things on a Saturday. Get ready sure. for Sunday and a sure. new week. So great, yeah, and, uh, and you, you know, it. start studying up and working on your vocal control for yeah. the next Friday. Yeah, I'll, I'll be definitely you know, prepped. Do it, working on that. You know, your pronunciation and things like that. Yeah, lots of no content. Question. Spend at least eighteen hours getting ready. I'll for do the show. my best. That's what I do. I'll carve at least nine out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. Have a great weekend, Lawrence. And uh, listeners, stick around for a little more live till five after this short break. With a little more live till 5, 4.17 p.m. on Friday, August 26th, here on KHMG Harvest Family Radio. This is our live local talk and variety show. And every Friday we have a lot of fun here on the air. Live with you, if you ever miss part of the show, of course, you can go to khmg.org and listen to the podcast after the fact. And we have all our archived podcasts, not only of live till 5, but of other shows that we produce here locally at Harvest Family Radio. You can also click on Tune In there, and that's a way to listen through your computer, or you can download the app to your smartphone, your iPhone, your tablet, your computer, whatever, and uh, listen that way. A lot of people like to do that as well. Then you don't have to have a radio on your desk. You can just listen through your computer. And a number of people, most people probably listen just the old-fashioned way. They tune the dial in their car as they're driving about to 88.1 FM. We are the far left end of the dial we're, we're almost the bottom radio station uh, on guam there so easy to find easy to tune in nice clear stereo signal it's great except for when we have power outages of course then sometimes it throws us off but it happens to everyone it rains on the just and the unjust we have power outages no matter no matter where you're from and so it just happens so you know today we have a topic of the day every week and sometimes they're heavier duty you know a couple of years ago we did the four blood moons. That was probably the heaviest topic. Or sometimes we talk about different things that are happening, um, like heresies that are out there, uh, uh, 90 minutes in heaven, or things like that, or books that come out that, that really throw Christianity for a little bit of a tailspin because people just start following it because it's popular. And sometimes we have, we'll talk about something that's happening in politics, or we'll talk about the Olympics, we'll talk about the season that we're in, the, the holiday that's, that's fastly approaching. But you know what? Sometimes we need to really get down to brass tacks. We need to talk about something that 
that matters, something that, that, that really we take for granted. So today we're talking about the secret and often overlooked world of furniture and all the different little branch topics that can come off of that. I know that now you're really turning your volume up and scooting closer <laughs> to the speaker because you want to know the secret and often overlooked world of furniture. Really? Finally, someone's, someone's covering this. Someone contact the Edward R. Murrow's uh, award board to see if we can nominate Jared Baldwin in Live Till Five for uh, hard-hitting coverage of this often, as I said, often overlooked. I mean, even the title is brilliant. Wouldn't you agree? Overlooked. Uh, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun topic because you know, I've read one story that really got my mind going on this. And it's like, you know, it's something we've never never talked about but it is something that we're we're surrounded by furniture every day all day long and so uh i think what i'd like to do is have our apprentice sebastian uh introduce uh this next little um segment which plays into our topic of the day and then chris will do the news after that yes we have poetry with chris the kids may not sit in their dad's favorite chair. But for those who have dogs, they are covered in hair. We trust them to hold our considerable girth, but most don't consider how much they are worth. There are tables, our chairs, our couches and beds where we put up our feet and pillow our heads. Simultaneously vital and yet overlooked, they support our fine china when dinner is cooked. Our family, our friends, rest upon them each day. But to the critic among us, they are just in our way. Even your coffee has a table of its own. And in the furnitured house, we are never alone. Before you waltz on by the next autumn in her bed, consider if they vanished, you'd fall on your head. Wow. That is somewhere... Chris, I, I have to rank that. That is that is powerful. Um, there's probably an existential element to that that we really need to you know focus on gratitude of the small things in life. So it's very existential yet practical. Um, you your use of vocabulary and onomatopoeia and didactic pentameter and things like that were very good. I would put you somewhere almost exactly between um, uh, Shakespeare and Dr. Seuss. Right, really, I mean, on the scale, you'd be right in that sweet spot, right in the middle. Not too much one, not too much the other. Because, you know, either way is a little pretentious. Right in the middle, perfect. Good job. I I applaud I applaud that. That that was excellent. I know our listeners enjoyed that, and uh, they're probably – we, you know, the chances of someone listening to the rebroadcast just went up like thirty-seven percent, right? Because right. of that, they want to hear it again. Make a grown man cry for. And me. we're not going to have you read it again. I want them to listen to the rebroadcast and then download the podcast and order the mug and the T-shirt with that on it and everything. Oh, yes, yes. So now, uh, now before you get into the news, uh, I read this in the first hour. But I don't think Sebastian was in here. Sebastian, uh, imagine you go to. My grandmother's house, because I don't know about your grandma. So my grandmother's house. And she asked you, she said, Sebastian, nice young man, can you please grab the afghan off the divan next to the hassock 
beside the big ottoman by the Davenport, would you know what she was asking you to do? Not really. Okay. All right. Great. And that's total English. So great. Well, that's going to play perfectly into our topic in a little while. But before that, Chris has the news. I was so busy writing, uh, writing poetry that I didn't get to the local news, but I've got some international news. That, that happens to a lot of people. A lot yes. of artists. They're artists, so busy yeah. writing poetry, they never get around exactly. to that tough stuff. Yeah. yeah, so the hard news took a beating today. But we do want to check in on some things that are happening around the world. Round-the-clock rescue efforts continue in central Italy, where an earthquake has claimed at least 247 lives. Firefighters and rescue crews using their bare hands have been pulling chunks of cement rock and metal apart from mounds of rubble where homes once stood and still searching for signs of life. Uh, The latest update is that Italy's culture ministry has decreed that proceeds from public museums across Italy this Sunday will be dedicated to helping restore damaged buildings in the earthquake zone. Several churches and other medieval era buildings were damaged or destroyed in the sixth magnitude quake that struck central Italy. In a statement Thursday, culture minister Dario Francesini urged Italians to go out in force on Sunday to visit those museums and Italy's numerous archaeological sites in a concrete sign of solidarity, he called it, with the quake victims. Yeah, I saw the pictures on USA Today of uh, like an overhead uh, aerial view of a town that's right near the epicenter and it is totally devastated. It looks like a bulldozer flattened most of the town. Um, it, they showed from the city view, kind of like the Google Street View look of a this beautiful alleyway. And now the buildings are just totally toppled over it. And uh, yeah. very sad, very, very difficult for uh, the Italians. A little bit more financial news. This from Reuters. Oil prices slipped on Thursday. As the market focused on oversupply and fading hopes of a production freeze, global crude oil benchmark Brent was down 15 cents at 48.90 a barrel, having closed down 1.8% on Wednesday. U.S. light crude oil was unchanged, 46.77 a barrel, after dropping 2.8% on Wednesday. Oil prices rose more than 20% in the first three weeks of August, on talks of a potential deal by oil exporters to freeze production levels to try to support prices. The members of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries are going to meet kind of in conjunction with the International Energy Forum, which groups producers and consumers in Algeria. But that's not till next month, September 26th through 28th. So we may have uh, continue to have high prices until then. Hopes of a deal have been dampened, though, by record OPEC output, means we have more supply than demand, and few analysts see the prospect of voluntary restrictions from those OPEC nations. So a little bit of bad news on the economic Mm -hmm. front. 35 large uncontained wildfires are burning in the West, and firefighters are making initial attacks on another 112 new blazes to prevent those from spreading. Firefighters in the region mostly face windy, dry conditions 
that have fanned the flames and destroyed buildings and forced evacuations. Many states, including California, Washington, Idaho, and elsewhere, late last week, the National Interagency Fire Center in Boise, Idaho, upped what it calls the national preparedness level to four, one shy of the highest level as competition from limited firefighting resources increased. And then there's an entire list here from SRN News of all the states and all the fires that are going on. And it is a considerable list. I think it's four or five pages of very, very difficult conditions that uh, firefighters are facing. And then, of course, there's not enough firefighters. What usually happens is kind of strategic teams Mm -hmm. go from one state to the next fighting fires. But in this case, there's not enough of those guys to go around so uh, very difficult conditions in the West yeah. uh, in regard to fires. Yeah. Well, you think Guam is a small landmass, and we have annually a number of wild grass fires that you can sure. see the smoke coming over the hillside there. At night, sometimes you'll see it burning, uh, you know, expand throughout the whole United States where it's drier and windier conditions and uh, very dangerous. And that a lot of these are in developed areas where there are housing and uh, people's lives and property are at risk. So, are those lightning caused? Uh, probably some. I would imagine some. Some right. are. Uh, I think the the big fire uh, in California um, uh, that was we were talking about last week briefly was actually set by someone like a campfire or something. Right. So well, I was wondering on Guam because in Alaska it was always pretty much always a lightning. Yeah. Caused no, fire. I think here it's. Uh, I don't know. I honestly, I've never heard them say it was lightning caused. I think um, probably man-made might be actually, well, you yeah. know, cigarettes yeah. and things yeah, like absolutely. that. It's so dry yeah. and everything. So uh, before uh, you go, Chris, and before we go to a short break, I'm looking at a brand new piece of equipment here, the M-Track Plus. It's cool. It's got a couple little dials and yeah. doodads on it. What does this piece of equipment do? It's got some blue lights. It's uh, It's pretty yeah, well, um, this week, we the, with all the power outages, we had a number of issues with hardware and software, and um, our our generator didn't work in, on at least two of those occasions when the power went out. So I was in here trying to get things back up and running. But on one of those particular occasions, the, the actual device that connects to our computer to transmit the audio to air, uh, we thought failed. It turns out it didn't. It was a setting in software, but we thought it had failed. So I ran out as quickly as I could, uh, went to a place on island and picked up this device. But what it does is it takes, it converts digital audio to analog mm. and uh, brings it to the equipment, both to our uh, board here and to also to the, the um, matrix that sends the signal to air. Mm. So, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a much nicer device than the previous one that we had, so I'm glad to I'm glad to have it. And it inadvertently solved a problem, a different problem. It right? did. It did. We had continually had, and actually, there are probably people listening who uh, also listen on the uh, live stream. I know several um, tell me they listen often. We had had a problem with our live stream having to go through our main board in the studio, and um, from time to time. Because of the computer kind of slowing down, the connection, which is via USB from the board, um, would um, that slowing down of the computer would just break the connection and it doesn't restore itself. So 
in replacing this piece of equipment, we were able to um, just put in an analog audio into the computer, and we've eliminated the problem of the um, the board sometimes going out or, or causing a, a disconnection with the computer. So, uh, yeah, and it frees up our board for all kinds of production stuff that we have to do right. during the course of a day. So, yeah, I mean, it solved two pretty serious problems. And uh, sometimes you have to have a problem in order to solve other problems right. that you have. Uh, kind of the necessities, the mother right. of invention. So you end up figuring out how your equipment and software works even better when it fails. Right. That's exactly what Because you have to reset it, you know. And we, yep. we don't often have power outages in the radio station because the radio station is hooked up to our primary generator, which is, I mean, it rarely, rarely fails. And this is one of those occasions where the brownout kind of tricked the generator's uh, automatic transfer switch into thinking that it didn't need to come on right away and uh, tripped a breaker or something like that, and then we lost power up here. So our listeners, you might lose radio signal. Usually it is power-related, either here these few times this week, usually up at our transmitter site. There's a a generator failure of some sort. So, And uh, we get notified almost immediately when that happens, and we get right on it. We don't like to be off the air at all. Sometimes we have to be for service or... Uh, we're trying to solve a problem, but for the most part, we try and stay on the air all the time, 24-7. Yeah, we were off for six hours last week, and that's, I think, the longest we've been off since I've been here. Right, yeah. Uh, except for, I, I think, uh, one night we were off and I didn't know it. Right. Um, but as far as what I was aware of, the, those six hours were the longest we've been off. So right. We have a device that. that tells us if there's no signal going out. Uh, we get a little phone call from a device that warns us that that's happening. But sometimes the device is tricked. If static is going out, then it thinks that there's still something going out. It can't really determine what kind of signal is going out. So so a lot of times we'll get calls and texts from uh, faithful listeners. And so uh, feel free anytime. If you're hearing something that's not quite right with our radio signal, we want to know. You're not hurting our feelings or bothering us to let us know it's staticky or it's weak or uh, one time, our signal seemed very weak. I would drive from here down around Total Canada Loop. I'd get about to the bottom of the hill, uh, approaching kind of where uh, some of our friends live down there, and and the signal would just get quieter and more staticky. And I couldn't figure out why. I thought it was just the interference, you know, the elevation and stuff. But come to find out, it was our STL transmitter here was failing, and it was putting out a much weaker signal going to the transmitter. So we were getting a weaker signal back. And uh, someone else kept saying, yeah, something's not right. I have to really crank up your volume. It's, it's just not right. Yeah. And finally, we looked at it, and, and we could see that the little meter on it was very low. Yeah. And sure enough, it was a piece of equipment that we swapped it out, and signal was right back up. So, so we try to be vigilant about that. Chris, thanks for putting in the extra time this week, even with the power outage. So, And uh, Sebastian, you're going to be learning all that so that uh, you I've can. I've been learning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you come up the other night? Did you have to come up? Uh, no, no, but okay. I get here. In no, the you just let me handle that. It no. was no problem. No, I'm just <laughs> I, get, I get here in the morning. And I'm like, what's yeah. going on? Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Hey, thanks to both of you for jumping in on the show today. I'll be gone next week. So you guys will be in here with Lawrence and running the show. And, uh, one of you is going to get your chance at, uh, running the board during the show. I don't know if anyone else has run this board with this software for the show. Just me. Just I, you. I, I filled you in do for it. you a couple okay, weeks. Okay, that's right. That's but, right. Uh, so. but I actually struggled with it a little bit. 
it's a the little, first time. Yeah. It's a little different than what we used to do, but once you've done it once, it's yeah. very intuitive and very simple. And so uh, I like it because it's a lot, our software, the Radiologic software, is a lot more graphically um, engaging. Like, you know, it, there's a button. It shows you what it is. It shows you how long it is. It's very, very simple. It's laid out like a something you'd put on a child's iPad type thing. It's, it's, it's yeah. made for uh, interaction, so it's great. You don't have to be a scientist to be able to run it. So anyway, hey, let's take a short break. I'll let you guys go, and listeners, stick around for a little more live till 5 after this short break. With a little more live till five. It's four thirty-nine p.m. on Friday afternoon. If you're listening live, we're about twenty minutes left in the show. If you're listening on Saturday or Sunday, Saturday noon to two, Sunday seven to nine p.m. Catch us on the Rebound, or you can catch the podcast any old time. KHMG.org. You can listen online through the TuneIn app. KHMG.org has a link for that as well. You can put that app on your phone or your tablet as well. If you went to your grandma's house and she said, grab the Afghan off the divan next to the Hassock, beside the big ottoman by the Davenport, would you understand what in the world grandma was talking about? Well, I would, because my grandma probably said that exact sentence to me before. I can even picture the Afghan and the Hassock. The Afghan was, was orange and brown and black. The Hassock was green, tufted, fluffy, small. Uh, the Davenport, she had a couple different ones. Um, it, it was uh, not too far from the Bureau, actually. And I know this all sounds like a foreign language to you, but it actually fits into my topic of the day, the secret and often overlooked world of furniture. So let's talk a little bit about furniture here. Uh, matter of fact, let's start out with Hassock. What is a hassock? Some of you listeners right now, you turn to the person you're listening with and say, I know what a hassock is. And then the listener, your friend or loved one says, well, what is it? And you say, well, it's a padded cushion or a footstool. Of course. Yeah, hassock. Um, what's an Afghan? Well, it is a person from Afghanistan, but that is not what I'm talking about. So if you grab the Afghan and it's a person from Afghanistan, they might punch you. This is a blanket, a knitted or crocheted blanket, also known as, in modern vernacular, a throw. And it, the unique thing about Afghans is it seems like they're always on the end of a couch, like they're the, the blanket you use when you're sitting on the couch. Well, nowadays we use those fleece throws for everything. Uh, footstool. Now, a hassock is one name for a footstool, and the hassock that we had in my grandma's house was a small one. Um, you could move it around. Now we have, uh, even in my office, we have these cubes. Those would be like hassocks. They're tufted, kind of padded cubes. You put your feet on or you can sit on it. Another term for a large footstool uh, in modern vernacular is ottoman. It's a form of a couch which usually has a head but no back, although sometimes it doesn't have either. It might not have a back or a head on it. 
Uh, it could be square or semicircular. And uh, it usually is stuffed over, okay? So that usually means there's no wood visible. So it's not like a little table. It's not like a stool. It is uh, stuffed so you can't see any of the frame. In American English, an ottoman is a piece of furniture consisting of a padded, upholstered seat or bench, usually having neither back nor arms, often a stool or footstool, in some cases a coffee table. And they're sold according to furniture with armchairs, etc., and uh, it could be also called a tuffet, like Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet. She was sitting on a footstool or an ottoman, a padded stool, or a poof de poof, which I would never say that if it wasn't in relationship to this conversation. But, of course, the term ottoman is spelled just like it sounds. It is the O-T-T-O-M-A-N, traces its roots from the Ottoman Empire where it was the central piece of residential seating generally designed as a low wooden platform intended to be piled with cushions, okay? It was eventually bought, brought to Europe in the late 18th century, and uh, the, the name Ottoman uh, was coined uh, to signify the place of origin in the early 1700s. And uh, Thomas Jefferson even wrote about Ottomans, the furniture. So that's Ottoman. Well, my grandma, my grandmother, grandma, as we called her in Kansas City, Missouri, did not call her couch a couch. What are some other names for couches? Well, you could call it a sofa. I have a number of different types of couches I'm going to list here. But one popular name, at least this is what my grandmother called her couch. She called it the divan you ever heard someone call their couch the divan? My grandmother had a divan. One of my grandmothers had a divan. The other had a couch. They looked exactly the same. But a divan, ironically, an ottoman is named after a Turkish piece of furniture. The word divan is a Turkish word, Persian, for divan, a piece of couch-like sitting furniture. Um, in the United Kingdom, it's a box spring-based bed. But in uh, America, it's a piece of furniture. Primarily in the Middle East, especially the Ottoman Empire, divan was a long seat formed of mattresses laid against the side of a room. Divans received the name because they were generally found along the walls of Middle Eastern council chambers of a bureau called a divan or diwan, which was official governmental council or office. So uh, a divan, there are common features um, in the Levantine homes, you know, in the Middle East, but... Um, the, the, the psychoanalytical couch that Sigmund Freud would use, that was called a divan. It was draped with a heavy Persian rug or cushions, to get, and it was given to him as a gift from patients. But now that is used as a term for a couch. So some people call divans couches. A lot of times they had these in coffee shops, I guess, back in the day. And so when, you, when you're looking at a divan, divan sofa, Canapé, a settee, Chesterfield, a Davenport. Let's talk a little bit about all the different kinds of couches. Because although we sit on them, we do overlook them. And Chris's um, emotive poetry about uh, furniture really makes you think about this. So there are different types of couches, of course, right? There's the sectional sofa. It's like a multi-pieced sofa where you can put all the different pieces in little sections and kind of make it into an L shape or a U shape, depending on how it all fits together. 
some of them are very large. Um, there, there are lots of different styles of these out there, and they're very, very popular because it kind of sets the whole room. So it's a sectional. A Chesterfield would be more like what you'd see, like a fancy leather quilted or tufted style couch where the, the arms roll over, and um, they're very, very uh, padded, and uh, you can see the feet, but it's, it's a, uh, the back and arms are tufted in design. And sometimes they're leather. You can kind of see it in a very nice uh, doctor's office. Or how about um, you have now the Lawson-style sofa, uh, designed for comfort. And the thing that makes it a Lawson-style, and we've had a few of these, the back is comprised of pillows that are separate from the frame. And it's basically a very soft cushion sofa with large cushions, um, and they're not tight to the frame, basically. So the Lawson style. A mid-century modern style. Uh, We kind of have a little bit of this furniture here in the radio station. 1940s to 1970s, mid-century modern furniture reigned supreme. But uh, it's not out yet. matter of fact, um, you might see a little bit of a mid-century modern style, like if you were to go to Ikea. Like contemporary mid-century modern also would be very familiar and um, commonly used to refer to uh, 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 modern furniture. It has um, a little bit difference than contemporary furniture. Contemporary is a term used for current furniture, but it's always based on a particular design like a contemporary Chesterfield or contemporary Davenport. But mid-century modern is a modern style. You'd kind of recognize it if you saw it. Uh, Let's see here. The English sofa, of course, is known for low arms in relation to the high back. That's a sofa. A Bridgewater is casual, comfortable. Uh, It's a certain design where the arms are slightly rolled and the sides are lower than the sofa's back. So my uh, grandmother, one grandmother, had a Bridgewater sofa. It was that style. Um, if you ever heard of a camelback sofa, main design feature is that they hire back in the center, which descends in a continuous line to the arms of the sofa. They're also recognized for the exposed wooden legs, frequently exposed wooden on top of the back of the arms. So it's kind of a very fancy couch. A cabriole or cabriolet sofa's trademark design elements, continuous, equal, equal height, back and arms. Okay, so... Uh, the the arms curve inward, the back, it's all one height. And sometimes they're very ornamental. Um, but some of the contemporary ones are not as ornamental. Here you go. How about a chase lounge? Can you think of a chase lounge? Still popular, especially uh, in master bedroom suites. A lot of times they'll have a chase lounge in there. Some patio furniture has chase lounges. It's, it's kind of a, a, a couch that, that is really long, but just with one side is armed. So the, the, there might be a slight back to it, but basically one side is armed and the other side is open. Sleeper sofas or pull-out sofa beds, boy, we've had a couple of those. They are a bear to move. The futon, of course, folds down into a bed. The day bed is a couch that's also a bed. You just move the pillows around, etc. So different types of couches. So do you have a sofa, a Davenport, a Bridgewater? Do you have a divan? Do you have a Chesterfield? be kind of interesting to go home and figure out what kind of couch do you have? What kind of sofa do you have? How about this? What's your design style? 
I was talking about this in the office, and, and a few of the ladies in the office, they perked right up and started giving me what design style they are. Here are some interior design styles. Are you American Colonial, Arabian, Art Deco, Art Nouveau, Arts and Crafts, Chinese, English Country, French, French Country, Gothic, Indian, Industrial, Japanese, Medieval, Minimalist, Modern, Moroccan, Rustic, Scandinavian Country, Scandinavian Modern, Shabby Chic, I love saying that one, Shabby Chic, Shaker, Southwestern, Spanish, Traditional, Tuscan, Victorian, Vintage, or Zen. What is your design style? Let's talk about these design styles a little bit, at least a few of them. A little, a little explanation. I think the like the mid-century modern, for example, we talked about the type of couch that was, but that's from the mid-1900s. Industrial is a little bit of what it sounds like. It has copper tone accents. It um, has exposed brick walls. These are design styles. And it sounds a little bit like the turn of the century um, turn of the century industrial area, but sometimes they'll have distressed wood elements, etc. Industrial decor is rustic and mature. Uh, nautical is exactly what it sounds like. Scandinavian, offshoot of the mid-century modern movement. Stores like Ikea capitalize on the Scandinavian. Bohemian, this is a term you don't use that much. People use it as kind of like, um, like the word Smurf. It kind of fills in for things we don't uh, know how else to describe. Bohemian decor captures the carefree and adventurous spirit of the avant-garde lifestyle. Features creative application of rich patterns and vibrant colors, especially those with red and purple tones. Farmhouse, of course, urban modern, shabby chic. Okay, shabby chic. This one has been floating around for a long time. If you've ever watched more than three minutes of um, HGTV, you will have heard the term shabby chic. Form of interior design where furniture and furnishings are either chosen for their appearance of age and signs of wear and tear or where new items are distressed to achieve the appearance of an antique. At the same time, a soft, opulent, yet cottage-style decor, often with affected feel, is emphasized to differentiate from genuine period decor. Think about this. People spend extra money to make sure that they get furniture that looks like it's not new. That is shabby chic. And uh, uh, country bohemian, we already talked about the bohemian, but the country bohemian is synthesizing rural element, elements with bohemian style, creating bohemian approach to life and country. Country bohemian style can refer to both fashion and interior design. And it goes on and on. It's kind of a fun topic to look at, but uh, obviously it can also give you a headache if you're a dude and you're not much into decorating. So I will not bore you with any more of that. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, probably the most famous furniture of all time. Maybe the most important furniture of all time. Stick around. I'll wrap it up with that in just a moment. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. 
And we're back with the last couple minutes of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin, broadcasting here at KHMG, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, talking about the secret and often overlooked world of furniture. What would you say the most important furniture of all time would be? You could make a pretty good case that the furnishings in the tabernacle, which became the temple, were the greatest pieces of furniture of all time in all history. I mean, Raiders of the Lark and all uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and other things set aside. I mean, the reality of the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the table of showbread, the incense altar, and the bronze altar. If you think about that and how they were placed in such detail, they were designed and given such prominence in worship and the symbolism you can read in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 25 through 40. These things are detailed so well that, that you could duplicate, and they have made new replicas of these pieces. The Ark of the Covenant, of course, can never be replaced, but they can make almost exact replicas because of the amount of detail described. The descriptions are so vivid in the Old Testament that they know exactly how to make. It's like a blueprint of each of the pieces, the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, the incense altar, and the bronze altar. These pieces of furniture, you could say, are the greatest furnishings of all time. And how they were placed in the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, the Court of Israel, the Court of the Gentiles, um, uh, how they were the the middle wall of partition and the veil was there, and how um how God used uh uh these these things to not only symbolize His relationship with man, but in all reality to meet with man in a very physical presence way, and so uh it's very very interesting, and so you know we talk about the trivial you know different types of furniture, settees, and chaise lounges, and all these things. But in actuality, the most important furniture in all of human history has to be the furnishings that were in the tabernacle and later in the temple because they represented and gave an opportunity for the high priest to go in and meet with God on behalf of Israel and on behalf of their worship representatively going before God and... um and it, it very, very uh, interesting. And uh, just today, if you're listening to Take Note, uh, Tom Farrell talked a little bit about uh, going before the presence of God, and he mentioned the high priest going into the Holy of Holies, and it was a great tie-in. So very interesting, a great study. If you've never looked at the furnishings in the temple and in the tabernacle, you should, Exodus 25 through Exodus 40. It's a great little study as we talk about furnishings and the often overlooked world of furniture, tongue-in-cheek there, but uh, we did enjoy talking about that today. Matter of fact, I have so much more material on Ikea and Levitt's furniture, and why is Ethan Allen furniture so expensive? We might have to do a furnishings part two somewhere down the road on another dull Friday afternoon, but alas, we're out of time for today. It is 4.59 p.m. on Friday, August 26th, and this is Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. I've enjoyed having this two hours with you. The fastest two hours of my week, for sure. Next week, Lawrence Nagengast will be the host 
of Live Till 5. I'll be in Thailand, but I'll bring back some great stories, I'm sure. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Live Till 5 on 88.1 FM KHMG Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam.